2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants. For Jesus' Jesus' sake, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Man, so when I read words like this, I always find it really surprising that Paul was known as like not being a good public speaker. Yeah, right. I'm like, golly, the you know, light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But there probably but, are tons of authors that like, Probably that's true. couldn't speak very well, but you read their writings. And that's it's like, that's oh, true. I know some songwriters who are like very uh, not what you would expect <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. personality-wise. Just different, yeah, yeah, than what you would. Yeah, but anyways, beautiful words today. Mm-hmm. Got my man Barfish in the chair. Bear Fisher present. Um, so Paul, he goes back to talking about his ministry here, and. He has such a such boldness and authority in in how he speaks mm. um, of his ministry, and I, I, I find it really, you know, just empowering and encouraging. Mm. A lot of times, there's sort of this like shakiness. I mean, I think last time we talked about generosity in a Sunday sermon. Mm. Um, me. I think it was Mike Menina and Jackson Randall were speaking in the lobby afterwards Mm. about um, how churches, whenever they talk about like generosity or like supporting the work of the church, there's kind of like the sheepishness oftentimes Mm. and this like, hey, like, you know, we don't want to talk about this, but we have to. Right. And we were kind of talking about how it's actually good to approach, you know, those sorts of topics with this like confidence of like, this is God's work that yeah. we're all like joined in. And yeah. this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And we see that same attitude here with Paul. So yeah. Barfi, what are what are your thoughts on <laughs> on old Second Corinthians four? Um Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean one of the first things I thought was like this this might actually be more of a passage for us who are like on staff at a church Dude, yeah. as like ministers of the God, you know, cause he's, he's saying like, we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. Like that's, these are uh, kind of strong words for, for those of us who, you know, uh, D's affectionately calls professional Christians. <laughs> uh, but those of us who work at the church, I mean, and, and are, and are ministering to people like just to keep ourselves in check. Yeah. Um, totally. keep ourselves in check, but also keep other people in check. I mean, it says we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. And I mean, you read through first Corinthians and that's what Paul does the whole time. Like yeah. he's renouncing all these disgraceful ways that the Corinthians have been acting. Um, so, I mean, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of that, but it's not just for ministers of the church, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, this is the type character that all of us, 
um, should, you know, the Bible says walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Mm -hmm. And like, we've all been, you know, those of us who've given our lives to Jesus, we've all been called by Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we all are called to live above reproach. And so there's, there's definitely that aspect that is going on, just the character thing. And then, I mean, it's interesting, you know, and this is obviously coming on the heels of chapter three and Paul Mm -hmm. didn't put the verse in chapter uh, numbers in there. And so this would have been a continual thought of his, but um, you know, he's, he's kind of riffing on this whole veil, uh, not seeing the light being able to see. So he's got all this um, imagery that's, that's coming into play. And uh, you know, and, and here like in verse four, talking about in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of, of unbelievers. And so, um, you know, this is not just the veil that Moses is wearing as he comes down off the mountain and his face is shining and all the Israelites say, dude, your face is like so bright and it's, mm-hmm. it, you know, it looks like the sun, like we can't stand it. You need to put a veil over your face. This now, you know, Paul is kind of using that imagery to talk about how um, the God of this world, AKA the deceiver, the Satan is, is blinding the minds of unbelievers. And so it's as though um, unbelievers have a veil that is over their minds yeah. and, is, and is over their eyes and is over their hearts. Yeah. And they, they can't see Jesus for who he is. And, you know, we come in contact with these type people all the time, day in and day out. And, and, and yet we are convinced that, um, you know, by the grace of God, the veil has been lifted off of our minds mm-hmm. and off of our eyes. And we're able to see Jesus for who he is. And that's why we hold so, so closely to him. Um, like, like we do. And so, and so we are able to see the light of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, um, so many in this world are, are, are not. And, um, you know, we want to, you know, we want to, as, as verse six says, let our light shine out of darkness. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just interesting, this whole like light, darkness, seeing, not seeing, veiled, unveiled yeah. imagery that's kind of taken place that Paul continues to kind of riff on um, here in chapter four. Yeah, you know, I think p- the purity of ministry is really elevated here mm. um, of, of true ministry. Mm. So, you know, I'm a worship guy and I've played a lot of like youth events, especially in college. Right. And I play keys. Um, and so I would oftentimes get hired to do stuff. And as, as the keys guy at like student stuff, it's, it can kind of feel like you're like second in command to like the speaker because, <laughs> you know, you are basically in charge of like making people cry at the end of sermons. <laughs> and it's terrible. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, but like, I just remember standing there like playing the like sappy, like, while and setting the mood man yeah and you know like i don't think that like it's like evil to you know music and preaching whatever sure sure but there, there is like especially in d now sort of culture sometimes you can feel like the point and the goal is to like evoke a reaction yeah and whatever and i don't know that's kind of what comes to my mind sometimes <laughs> with like <laughs> the we refuse to practice cunning or yeah, to yeah, tamper yeah. And, yes. and like this yeah. idea of like 
there are forms of ministry. And I would say like that might be on the more like well-meaning side of right this like manipulative ministry but like you know there's there's all sorts of like horror stories that i've heard and that i'm sure yeah other people have heard of like people like working in churches or in ministries doing shady things but like with this sort of the ends justifies the means mentality yeah and it's a good way to put it i love you know here there's just like a very clear precedent of yeah refuse to do that right like, because basically whenever we, and, and you know, this is not, I, I think it's clearly applicable for people working in church or ministry, but mm. it's applicable for all of us just yeah. in how we share the gospel and how yep. we evangelize and how we pray for people to, to be like clever or, you know, subtly manipulative or like yeah. leading in right. weird ways is to basically cast doubt in our minds on the power of the Holy Spirit on the sufficiency of scripture yeah. on, you know, the reality of God's presence, all the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice, like all these things. Right. Um, and, and we're kind of taking matters into our own hands. And I love Paul here is saying, I refuse to take matters into our, like we refuse to take matters into our own hands because we proclaim the glory, not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as right. Lord. Right. And to truly believe in in the power of the Holy Spirit to to free people to lift the veil from people's hearts, yeah, and you know the the sufficiency of Christ and mm. His lordship, then you know our our ministry we can become very confident and bold in our ministry, yeah, not because we're trying to sell people something, but because we're so confident in what is objectively true that that the light of God has shown into our hearts to, to give us the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We yeah. we're emboldened. Like that becomes our only sales pitch. You know, yeah. it's, it's not yeah. like these different tactics. It's, it's like we believe that Jesus is Lord. And so we proclaim that with no reservations. Right. And so as you're saying this, um, and, and, and I think, I think, Paul, this is an underlying theme of what he's trying to say here, but like, this is where theology matters. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just that that people like you're talking about are trying to take matters into their own hands. I think oftentimes church leaders, churches, church staff, worship leaders, whoever, they actually think that God has actually put the put the onus on them yeah. to, and, and this is where theology matters. It's like, do you have a proper understanding of mm-hmm. the work of the Holy spirit and how, and how the spirit actually yeah. works? Or do you feel like, or has your theology and the way that you read the Bible, has it led you to think like God is actually like entrusted to us. So like, I've got to make this happen yeah. and I can almost like coerce Dude. people to, uh, um, I mean, I feel like you got a soapbox coming here in just a second, but like, I, I, I you know, no. but it's almost like you, you somewhat have pure intentions based on your theology of yeah. like, I've got to, like the Lord has actually placed this in my hands to almost like coerce and make stuff happen. And then when you think that way, then you start to play the type music that might bring the tears. Yep. You start to preach yep. in ways yep. that might tug on the heartstrings more or whatever. Cause there does feel like it's, there's somewhat of a manipulation or a coercion that has to happen in order to draw people to Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, there, 
it, we have to be so careful of this in like sort of Baptist circles. Yes. I think, and, and you could speak to this as like a former IMB guy, but you can like drift into this missiology where you are so, so, so focused on the Great Commission that you sort of functionally begin to believe that the church is the Holy Spirit, that there's like God the Father, mm. Christ the Son, mm. and then the gospel message message spreads through the church. The church is responsible. And obviously it yeah. does spread through the church. I'm not sure. detracting from the Great Commission or anything. Yeah, yeah. But you can like, to your point, it's like, the Holy Spirit almost becomes accessory. And I, I think that's that's why the Holy Spirit has sort of become like the lost member of the Trinity yep. in some circles is we, we've placed the weight and gravity on right. us and, so, and right. on our strategies, on our tactics, on our missi- missiologies. And it's like, no, the Holy Spirit yeah. lifts the veil. Yeah. He uses us, but the Holy Spirit lifts the so, veil. So, I mean, it, on, a very, on a very practical note, come on, when... Uh, our oldest child, Evangeline, she's 14 now. We love her. She's wonderful. She, When she was, uh, I want to say it was like seven or eight years old. We were living in Indonesia at the time. And she came up to me one morning and um, and said, Daddy, last night I, I prayed and gave my life to Jesus. And of course, that's like, I mean, yeah. you love to hear that as a parent. It's like, wow, that's amazing. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to wait and see, and Jobeth as well, we wanted to wait and see evidences of the spirit working in her life because it's not like, it's not us who change her. We cannot change oh, her. Yeah. And so like, I, I want to sit back in a sense. I mean, obviously we're like proactive parents and like teaching her and things like yeah, that. Yeah. But like, we want to sit back and we want to see, you know, when she does something wrong, like is the spirit convicting her of mm-hmm. sin? And so, I, I mean, just to the point of like, we need to have a healthy understanding of the ministry yeah, of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And if you don't, you your theology will get lopsided and that's where crazy stuff starts happening. And I'm not suggesting that Christ's covenant has like perfect theology or whatever. No. I, I'm so not trying to suggest that. Yeah. But I do think we're trying to give proper credence to the ministry of the Holy Spirit within the church. Yeah. And so there's no coercion. There's no manipulation. It's basically holding up Jesus for who he is and worshiping him for who he is. And the, the, the Holy spirit will work on, on his own time schedule and all that. And mm-hmm. and we, you know, um, graciously get to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love, you know, just as we close out, Paul uses, uses this phrase by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves, our ministry to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And so, I just love the open statement of the truth. Like mm-hmm. we, we should live as people we have not, as churches, as, you know, accountants and whatever we are in just open statement of the truth. We are, we are ministers of reconciliation through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and through whom God is making all things new that people would just know that about us, that we would, you know, that that is a bold statement. We would recommend ourselves. We would commend ourselves to yeah. everyone in the sight of God. Yeah, we have nothing to hide. Yeah, yeah. and so that, mm. it's a it's a good word, you know, as mm. we close out to be looking for hidden sin and to be that's right um, looking for ways that we are depending on ourselves more than the Holy Spirit and you know leaning on our wisdom and not on the understanding of God. Yeah. So for Barrett Fisher, we'll barfish. Uh, this is Will Carlisle, and we'll see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to our daily rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant 
And Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.